Hey, have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast about dating that is uplifting without being toxically positive. <laughs> I always mess this up. This is shout out to the lovely, lovely human being who wrote us a review on Apple, iTunes, whatever, Apple Podcasts, and called us, you know, uplifting without being toxic without sorry toxic positivity which gives me just that's the exact brand I've always wanted to be and um we love you but yes that we are yeah that's that's my um dream of life too uh especially because I do not feel uplifting right now (laughs) I feel like it's getting dark at 4 30 and everything is bad but that's actually not true um especially not today because we have an awesome interview with um, a really cool filmmaker and human named Shelby Haddon. Um, she made a film about pelvic floor dysfunction, and she's also uh, a TEDx speaker. She does a ton of really, really cool stuff. We're going to talk to her about pelvic floor dis- dysfunction and also kind of reframing the concept of virginity. And going to hear all about her work. Um, she's currently working on a new film called Winning My Virginity. Um, there's all kinds of cool stuff she's up to. So it was a really, really cool conversation. I learned a lot of stuff. Um, we talk a lot about resources. And like I didn't – this is such a big problem and I kind of didn't know it was a thing. So I hope it's helpful to some people. Yes. I will completely echo you, Liza. Um, I, I felt ignorant until this, you know, Shelby – connected with us I was gonna say reached out to us but we reached out to her so that's a lie but uh I think you know many women's health issues especially around sexual health or just pain are not always you know taken super seriously by doctors or communicated to us when we're younger women so it's a really interesting conversation and Shelby's awesome she also updates us on a worst first date that once upon a time we read on this podcast because the coolest thing is that Shelby has listened to this podcast before and submitted her worst first date and it's a good one I'll just say Friday Night Lights and that's it but definitely there's an update and she retells it so that's fun too. It's incredible. Um, it's, it's one of our, like, more fun <laughs> and less depressing <laughs> worst first date stories. It's a really, really funny one. So excited for you guys to rehear that and to hear our interview with Shelby a little later in the episode. But, of course, we are leaning in hard to our uh, content consumption corner. Shout out to the content consumption thread in our secret Facebook group. Ooh, this is so smooth. It's happening. Um, like butter. Join our secret Facebook group. But... Uh, a lovely, I'm finding her name right now. I believe it's Violet. 
Violet started a consumption corner thread so that the whole Facebook group can share what they're consuming. Um, I saw crackers were on the list as well as you know TV shows that people are watching. So that's very fun. We'll also just we're going to do a little quick uh, segment based on a question that was also in the secret Facebook group just about how to make yourself feel better at this time. There's a lot going on in the world and very specifically a lot going on in the U.S. and across the world when it comes to COVID that is very, very scary and out of control. And I, we're going to have a little mama bear moment in Consumption Corner. We're going to share the really fun shows we've been watching. And then also just um, I want to share an article that a listener named Danielle, who's an ICU nurse, shared with me really um, – opened my eyes. It was just a good reminder just hearing what nurses and healthcare workers and people are going through firsthand. This pandemic is nowhere near over and whatever. I'll get there. I won't be such a butt right away. But we'll, we'll 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 do that and then we'll do some uplifting, you know, how can we take care of ourselves in these times and then we'll get to our interview with Shelby. So that's the deal. Kind of dating adjacent because dating's a little dangerous right now um as cases spike oh i'm so fun uplifting without no, toxic it, positivity <laughs> i mean down lifting what's exactly. the opposite of uplifting um that's me today no um i yeah it is very important and um we've look I, I don't know everyone a lot of people myself included even like i've been taking covid really seriously and being really careful and getting tested a lot especially when i'm going to see anyone who i think might be vulnerable whatever but there's definitely I've I've started to become way more lax mm-hmm. and I think that this week I was like okay it's time to go back to like march mentality. Yep. Um Trump is insisting that there will not be a lockdown under his administration. Uh, <laughs> so I think unfortunately once again it's up to uh people like us to really know that like all of our actions affect each other. Um we are all in this together. We're all like a global community. Nations don't exist. Like we are, uh, we need to take this shit really, really seriously. And if that means missing holidays out of respect for your loved ones or, you know, not seeing friends, like it fucking sucks. But it's, uh, it's time to do that again. Yeah. And you know, I'll just, I'll do the, I'll do the neg, the, the, not negative, but the important but harder content consumption just now. Um, oh, yeah. Sorry. I, I was like, I'll do it. No, I no, no. no. Liza, you, you were like, we'll do it later. I was like, mm, I'm going to just go ahead and drop I think all we my should feelings. do it now. We don't need to talk about this twice. I know you all take it seriously. I, Liza, I totally feel you. I was out at dinner with my boyfriend and two friends outside in LA for my birthday this weekend. And then, you know, really thinking about, you know, like the million cases that, were reported within one week like it's exponential growth and I just feel like I haven't been as responsible as I used to be and I get you know kind of poked my friends have all poked fun at me because I was a little crazy at the beginning of all this but it's just not worth it I mean it's one Thanksgiving families are really annoying anyways right they're gonna ask you about being single and all that shit you get to skip that and you have a really legit excuse I'm not saying you can't have Thanksgiving, but I am saying you can't have Thanksgiving. No, I don't know. You've got to just figure out what's safe. Um, but I I will just, I will put this on our Instagram swipe up so it's easy. I'll post in the secret Facebook group. There's an amazing article that, again, our listener who's working in ICUs and very scared um, shared with me, and it's really impactful. It's called No One Is Listening to Us um, in the Atlantic. And it's just 
the perspective from healthcare workers who are putting it all on the line and and not even just their own health, but their own mental health in the future. I cannot imagine what caring for people who are this sick, some of whom are so sick and don't even believe that they're so sick. It's just so tragic and the impacts of it. So we, any of our other healthcare workers out there, let us know how, how we can support you. Um, but I, I just wanted to, really recommend you all read the article because it just humbled me. I was like, okay, just because you haven't gotten COVID yet does not mean it's over, does not mean you're not going to impact another human's life. And that's my that's my spiel. Now we will do some lighter content consumption. Yeah. Okay. I mean it's all it's all important. Um please read that article and and yeah. Make smart choices, kids. That's um, me being a mom. And also my dog is being loud in the background. So I'm sorry if anyone can't hear that. Oh, I uh, welcome that. Chloe, give me more. <laughs> Just remind no. me that cute lives exist and everything's going to be okay and fluffy someday again. I know. Sometimes oh. I look at Chloe and I'm just like, you have no idea of anything. She has. This has been the best year in Chloe's life. <laughs> she hasn't been alone for more than a couple hours in eight months. This is like, it's so, I, I, it's a, it's a good sign, right? When you envy your dog. Yeah. Um, yeah. It means the world's in a great <laughs> fucking place. Your sweet, sweet innocence. I was also with my niece a couple weeks ago, got tested first. She's two. And, um, I, I was like, oh my God, you're not going to remember this. Like two. you just aren't going to remember <sighs> this whole year. Like it's so, I was like, I was so jealous, but also so happy for her. I was like, yeah. you just think this is great. Like, cause your parents are, it's just like kicking it. Um, anyway, okay, I will be upbeat now, too. My ferocious binge watch of Gossip Girl continues. We don't need to talk about it. I talked about it last week, but I am just crushing those eps. 25 eps a season Liza. for six seasons. I have made progress on season one since Ooh, it, it, was okay. in a, it was in a very lazy Sunday mode of like, I want to look at my phone a lot, but I want a TV show on. Yes. So I'll 100%. put on Gossip Girl. And it's, I forgot how bad it was but like bad good it's yes it's iconic the looks Blair's behavior Serena's terrible acting but horrible acting I mean I just I forgot how like bad some of the episodes really were like the so bad lines are (laughs) and the thing that's amazing to me now that I think I just I'm I just started season three is like they just recycle the same plot lines over and over and over. It's just six characters and they're like, okay, who can we have sleep with who? And then who's jealous and who's trying to get revenge on who? It's just, I'm, but I'm honestly getting impressed that they've been able to do so much with six characters. And by impressed, I mean, it's so trashy, but I just like, it is just the the soothing balm to my soul right now of trashy garbage that is like, almost comedic how bad it is I I cannot believe how many bars they were at to underage because I did my freshman year at NYU and you needed a good fake ID to get into a bar like it wasn't like these like what Jenny's like 14 at a club one episode yes I don't also they're constantly drinking martinis I'm like dude you can't have five martinis if I had five martinis when I was 16 I would die I would have died I had two martinis on Saturday granted I also had wine at dinner after that but I died on Sunday I died so yeah no you cannot have five martinis children just slurping down martinis like what are you doing like it's insane it's bonkers shitbag crazy and I'm loving every second of it um oh also, let's talk about one extreme fucking high of the week. 
which was we got our first almost full Tasha Bachelorette episode. Indeed. And it was That was ugh. It was so much better. It was so much better. And we don't talk about the Bachelorette too much on this episode of the podcast. You can go to our Patreon and even contribute one single dollar because we just want a community right now. We will try to make money later. Um, But it's COVID. But we did a very fun episode with Liza's friend, Carlin, and I love her. I had not met her until our episode. And we recapped the whole Tasha ep. And I – It was great. It was great. She's so fucking smart and funny and cool and – um. Her and I text like every week the whole time Batch is on. Like she'll, we watch it live together, um, and it's become like one of my favorite parts about about watching Batch this season. So uh, she came on and and did a really fun episode with us. And I ho- I think she'll come back for future episodes. Oh, um, I hope I hope. Also, I just want to shout out to those of you who never watched The Bachelorette or Bachelor. And you know I'm o- I I don't know why I don't work for ABC Disney. Like I'm always pitching you guys on why you should watch it. I think the date on Tasha's first episode, so this last episode, was like the most realistic date I've seen portrayed on The Bachelor or Bachelorette yet, just in terms of conversation. 100%. It was like actually watching two people on a date, which I find fascinating. So just, it's, yes. it's fun. And then we have And a fun. both people were likable. Yeah. Which like never happens. Never happens. But you actually But go to the like, Patreon oh. to check. <laughs> Sorry. But yeah, but yeah. go to the Patreon to check out more, um, more of our thoughts on that. And uh, then I'll do my last piece of consumption, which is I watched Seduced on Ooh. Stars, which is the competing Nexium show uh, series to The Vow. And I had watched The Vow. I watched all of The Vow. I feel the same way a lot of people feel, which was like it was very interesting, but six episodes too long. Um, this series is four episodes it is exactly the right length and it's from india oxenberg's point of view she's an executive producer and a complete fucking badass and so i mean you get the sense that Catherine oxenberg is a badass from the vow but she's such a fucking badass i just feel like both of these women are really really smart and impressive and um it was so good and so well done and so to me so clear compared to the vow because like the timeline was linear it wasn't mm-hmm. the same thing the vow was doing which is kind of like jumping back and forth all the time and also like the vow didn't fucking scratch the surface of how much of a monster keith was and i'm kind of mad i actually think it was pretty irresponsible of the vow mm-hmm. to not talk about some of the really and truly horrific things he did to some of these women and look it's not like he comes across well in the vow <laughs> you know he's a dick you know he's a manipulative you know he's like sociopathic but there was some stuff that was so fucked up and dark and torturous and some stuff about his background i won't go into it too much here because it may be triggering for people and I, it's just you should everyone should watch it like if you watch the vow you sh- you must go watch seduced if you're like i'm good this is 2020 has been a dark year and i don't need to watch some shit about sex cults then don't but um it's like yeah i do think the vow did a very poor job of really showing what keith was about I've heard this and I was such a I want to take responsibility for telling you all to watch The Vow. No, I watched um, it too and I should have talked about it here for sure. No, but I've just heard that it's like truly irresponsible what they did and how they portrayed it. The whole time I was watching The Vow, especially those later episodes, it was like, why aren't you showing me more of exactly how it happened? What were yes. these courses? Like we get an overview, but I don't understand. And I feel like putting Mark 
at the center of it, who was a victim, but also very much not a victim the entire time. I don't know. It just, it, it feels just from you explaining it, the fact that it's from India's perspective, the, the fact that, they, yeah, that, that anything was left out about how bad Keith Raniere was. Like, I mean, he's in fucking jail, thank God, for the rest of his yeah. life. But I, I think, there, yeah. There were like six or seven details that were not mentioned in the vow that made my jaw drop. Mm. Um. Anyway, like, I super I highly watch. recommend. Yep. I was just telling Kimmy, you can get a seven-day free trial of Stars, and this is only four episodes, and I think I watched it in about 36 hours. <laughs> like, I just, I watched them quickly. Um, so yeah, definitely worthwhile viewing, but it is a bummer and definitely potentially like very triggering and upsetting. So again, (laughs) grain of salt with that recommendation. It is not self-care to watch this series. (laughs) Fair, fair enough. Okay. I have Um, a show that is self-care. Okay. Even if you have more, can I, can I, I just. No, no, no. I literally was just going to say like, I need to know yours. Well, this is. Kimmy dropped that she had a new show. Well, but it's, it's actually not a new show and I'm just going to call myself out. It's almost like a show I have already mentioned on this podcast. I'm just (laughs) going to tease it for four more seconds. Um, Who can I guess? It's no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I needed like validation that it was good. So the internet gave me that this week. No, I also just wanted to watch it a second time, more focused. Take a guess, Liza. Is it Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? Oh wait, fuck it is. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm so I did. To watch I did it. drop this. I know, not super. You know, like I'm acting like I've uncovered this gem, but I think the world has unearthed a gem. Like I, I, again, I'm gonna do this to all of you because once upon a time I didn't watch The Bachelor or Real Housewives. If you don't watch Real Housewives, start this season. The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is fascinating and iconic already. And I had seen it in a little drive-in screening, like truly as we were waiting election week. And I, I wasn't focused. I knew it was good, but I wasn't sure. I sat down last Wednesday and watched it. And I was like, that's the best Real Housewives episode I've ever seen. And it's the first one. Fuck. I'll tell you, I'll yeah. tell you why. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to fold laundry tonight. And that is going on. I'm it's so going excited. On. Liza, it is. There are, there are, there's a wedding in the first episode. There, there are religions, oh not only Mormons. There are Mormons. There are Mormons who have been excommunicated because of a torrid affair. There are Mormons who are becoming Muslim for their husband. There are, like, and I quote, she says, "Assalamu alaikum, bitches." That is a big moment that Jen Shah, who I am a huge fan of, has in the, in the first episode. There are. A Jewish uh, there's a Jewish woman a Jewish family who's converted to Mormonism there's a Jewish family who just lives in Salt Lake City there is a fight about someone smelling like hospital and I will just <laughs> leave you with that it is a beautiful episode of reality oh my god I I'm am sorry. so fucking excited I can't even tell you I'm like maybe maybe god maybe the Mormon god whatever maybe he does exist because this is the tv show I feel that we need and also and I think I said this last time but it is like Park City, Salt Lake City, beautiful mountains, snow bunny outfits. Like, it feels like a nice escape when we can't really go to those places this year. Mm. Not that I'm always going to those places, but it just, something about it, I'm like, I love that. It's a scene. It's It's a a world. It's like, you get, you get transported a little bit. It's the same reason I like, I like Emily in Paris and kind of even Gossip Girl. It's like, just take me somewhere where some crazy rich people are, you know? Yep. Absolutely. Show me some pretty shots. Yeah. It's, and I, the... The editing, or I guess, 
because I've been watching Potomac and I know, but now I'm just like, oh, this for a first episode, this was just like, boom, this is entertaining if you hate Housewives type shows. It's just like, who are these women and their families? Like, it's all. Oh my God. Yes. Anyway. I'm so fucking psyched. I, I really just think it's time. It's, it's, you know, we'll see how this week goes, but it was. I needed that like everyone else on the internet was like, that was really great. Like, how yeah. is it so good? Oh my um, God. And it doesn't I'm going to be texting you a lot. Please do. Please do. I want to know what you think about every single person. And they're, oh my gosh, there's a woman who is, I, I won't, yes, I will. Mary, I'll just give you this. She is married to her step-grandfather because of a will. <laughs> I mean, it is truly bonkers. <laughs> like, I can't, I can't. And it's not, that's probably the darkest piece, but it's not presented in like this crazy dark way. So I just, I must, you must, you all must watch and tell me what you think, even if you hate it, because I was Cannot delighted. wait. Oh okay. my God, can't wait. Whew, I feel like I'm sweating. That was a lot. Um, what else did I watch this week? Okay, okay, okay. Uh, ooh, we talked about the undoing a little bit, Liza. I'm still feeling like I don't know what the undoing is doing, but. It's Nicole Kidman. It's like, it keeps you in- engaged. I don't know. I I crushed all the episodes a couple days ago. All the episodes. The first three episodes. I haven't watched the latest one. I really like it. Okay. I mean, I don't think it's like, I, I feel similarly to Big Little Lies. And, and it's kind of similar to the, the vibe we were just talking about. I'm like, this isn't like the best quality, but like, Everything looks gorgeous. It's shot really well. It's like I-, I love all the like production design. Like that's a dumb thing, but it's just like mm-hmm. nice to look at. Yeah. And the acting's pretty good and it's kind of a fun mystery and it's dark, but it's not like I mean, of course, it's about a murder. It's it's dark, but it's not like th- the darkest fucking thing on earth. The Nexium series are way darker cuz they're real, obviously. You know, yeah. like it it, something about it is working for me and that like it's kind of a fun mystery like murder mystery that looks nice i'm 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 on board yeah I think. you know what's interesting actually and darker but and i don't know if i I'll, I'll just i'll just share my content consumption i think i recommend it if you're like watching the undoing the were sorry if you have my algorithm on hbo they then prompted this new four-part mm, murder documentary like a real one called murder on middle beach have you heard of this liza i it's been advertised before the undoing for me on hbo yeah super dark about a woman in connecticut madison connecticut do you know where that is yeah oh my god so because it's not super far from where i grew up yeah she was murdered and it's four part basically her son was i think 18 at the time and he goes to, I think, Savannah College of Art and Design. So he starts making a documentary about her life. And then mm. now it's on HBO. So so the first episode felt very much like, oh, it must be that person. But now it seems like it's not, the next episode's not going to make it feel that way. But it's just very interesting because it's like, he over 10 years of his life or whatever, he's been collecting footage, interviewing people, trying, like, mm. wearing hidden wires and going into the police station in his town. Like, there's just... Again, if that's the kind of thing that distracts you and you're okay with that, very dark, very gruesome. But I'm like, who done it? Truly, who done it? You know? So just interesting. Yeah. What do you know? What year the the murder happened? I think it was 2010. I might be wrong. 
Okay. I think. Okay. Interesting. I'm yeah. I'm very intrigued. I didn't realize it was in Connecticut. Yeah. So that ups the, I mean, I would, uh, I mean, I'd be interested anyway, but it's just, you know, that, that kind of thing where it's like close to home, you kind of have like another, another level of interest. Yeah. There's a lot, um, and there are a lot of weird, unique things about it where, and again, I don't know what happens, but you know, it feels to me like there were lots of different possibilities, a very like perfect family, but things weren't what they seemed. I don't know. Mm. Um, yeah yeah right. even parts of the town like actually it's by the way it does not actually look like where I grew up but just the fact that it was in New England made me feel like oh my god like yeah uh, yeah and anyway. it's yeah totally I feel that way about stuff in Massachusetts like, there's like the, a look to the whole there's a whole there's a vibe to the yeah, whole I kind was of thing I mean booked like could that- New England is, as a whole area is like you know whatever smaller than some states so um interesting okay so that was a lot. Uh, so that was a lot but yes <laughs> we did our content I think we nailed it I feel good about it it's uh continue in the secret Facebook group to let us know what you're what you're watching and consuming because hey we all need Rex um speaking of which should we touch briefly on stuff that's making us feel good yeah I really like this question in the secret Facebook group and I'll I'll maybe um Look at some of the answers that we got in there, too. Listen to me scratching around, pulling it up. So organized. But, Liza, I don't know. It's like I feel the energy you said at the beginning of this. This is a dark time. Even if I don't think about, I'm sure, the weight of the world is having an impact. But it's just the energy is so off for me lately. I don't know. I just I do think self-care is really important right now. And we are not a wellness self-care type podcast. But what are you doing or what might you do to just put yourself in a better place Mm, yeah I mean I I think that uh it's for me it's been hard to have consistency with any of the things I've been doing so the biggest thing I have been trying to practice is just going easy on myself and not bullying myself for like not exercising every day or even every three or four days um, we got an exercise machine at the beginning, like in the last couple months. And so I've been, I've been doing, I've been biking, I've been stationary biking and that's been really, really good. But also having it in a small apartment makes me feel like I, if I'm not using it every day, I'm like wasting space or the money or whatever. Um, and that was like a bad cycle I was getting into. And then I was like, you know what? I cannot do this. I can just like get on the bike when I feel like it. And then not when I don't. And that's okay. Um, And I don't always succeed at that mentality, but it has been really helpful. So that's been, so those are two, those are two things of self-care. One is exercising. The other is not being mean to myself when I do not exercise. Oh, Liza, that resonates on a deep level. And I think, you know, I have certainly struggled just with, being nice to myself and body and eating in this quarantine Mm -hmm. from the beginning of it till now and I just it's gonna be easier to say to anyone else than to myself but like if you gained a little weight in the pandemic fuck it you know be nice to yourself about it I saw a little TikTok about that it was a cute girl like my winter coat won't zip up but who cares it was really sweet it was a good reminder um TikTok because my algorithm specifically brings me joy like if twitter's making me feel down sometimes i go on tiktok and they're like it's all exactly to my political leanings or comedy interests or you know 
dance yeah. interests. So whatever. it's all just so fun, goofy. Too. There's just like so much goofiness on. I, I appreciate TikTok as a platform because people are so silly on it, and yes. it's not in a way that like Twitter is like you have to you know if you're gonna tweet a joke, it's got to be like really well crafted and funny, and it, it's you know it's just I love how goofy TikTok is. Yes, um, and I I um I agree, and I think that just any way you can give yourself that break but I agree with you Liza when I have been exercising I do feel better and maybe it's just moving my body I've been doing the couch to 5k app and I hate running but I do like that I do a thing every week and it makes it really easy to like get into running I know you have done it too but then I can't beat myself up like I think last week I I had to like double up last week basically run four times instead of three times in a week because I had one left over from the week before. But I said, that's fine. Don't like give up on things. Keep going. Uh, I think treating yourself to nice skincare or if you have a bath and can get like CBD bath salts. These are things I need to tell myself. I haven't really done all this, but I think taking care of yourself just like with, you know, nice things, especially if you're, I don't know, having a particularly tricky time or maybe you're not going to spend money to go back home for Thanksgiving or or the holidays, just maybe spend some money on yourself if you can. Yeah. yeah. And another, another thing um, in that same vein of spending some money on yourself is like at least once a week I've been getting like dank kind of fancy takeout. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that's been just a really like it's just something to look forward to. It's usually something Jeff and I kind of do together. We're like, okay, what's it going to be this week? Like, what's a fancy place we can order from? Like, what are we craving? Like, what wouldn't we cook? Um, yeah. And on the flip side of that, a more budget friendly version of that is I also have been I love cooking. I've always loved cooking. And this is going to sound so cheesy, but I think that like people who love to cook get this like to me cooking is such an expression of love for other people if that's how it was in my household growing up like my dad's a really big cook and he loves cooking he loves cooking for huge groups of people he's it's like brings him so much joy and I've always found that and I love cooking for um friends and I love I love cooking with friends and I love having dinner parties and I love all that kind of stuff and it's been this is oh my god this is where it gets so cheesy I've been trying to view cooking for myself as an expression of love towards myself. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking a lot about like what my body's really craving. And sometimes that's like very healthy things. And sometimes it's just like really insanely like di- like just like over the top baked mac and cheese or whatever. Mm. And just cooking myself something really really delicious with like a lot of care and love and attention like I spend a lot of time looking at recipes thinking about what sounds good how to adjust them how to change them combining recipes like it's it's something that's been like occupying a lot of time and like helping me soothe my anxiety and it's definitely become a way of showing self-care to Mm -hmm. myself obviously that's but but yeah so if you have even a passing interest in cooking um I think like trying to think about ways it can be fun and creative and not utilitarian. Like we're all probably cooking for ourselves more since we're home all the time. But um, for a while it was feeling like a chore. And in the last couple of weeks I've been really viewing it as like a pleasure. And it's such a nice um, change. Like I get so excited to do it. Yeah, I think that's I, – I hate – I've historically I've hated cooking. But even 
I have it's, it's there's ritual to it you can pop on a podcast or I've done a little baking too it hasn't all gone so well but <laughs> some of it's gone okay um but there it's something it, it there's something nice to it just to for me learning to do something new well, sort of learning trying trying new things I that's would, how you figure it out yeah. I mean it's it's such a skill you hone throughout your whole lifetime you know like my dad can cook these amazing like meals now without looking at a recipe and I always was like oh my god how did he how does he do that how can he do that and he's just like yeah because you gain skills your whole life and you get better and you learn things and mm-hmm. um and it's fun and it's so fun to cook like I, I've been I've cooked a couple of things where I'm like oh my god I can't believe I made that like it turns out so well you're like I can't believe I am capable of making that and that's like such a fun feeling and like really like it's probably not that hard like I'm sure like like lots of people like it's nothing super fancy or super impressive but um I super recommend the Bon Appetit website it's free it's not behind a paywall and they it's beautifully designed Mm -hmm. and every single recipe I've ever made from Bon Appetit is amazing so I've been spending lots of time on there no I think that's great advice I would also this is my last one uh around Thanksgiving and such I'm trying to figure out ways to whether it's like give back to older people in the community who don't have meals. Like I'm try- I saw something. I have to figure it out. Like it just makes me so sad to think about people like who are older and live alone and can't be with their families this year. It makes me so upset. And if there's a way you can do that or even just scheduling a Zoom with the people in your life who you're not going to be able to see different gear. But I, I just get kind of reclusive, especially when it comes to having a Zoom or any of this stuff. But like I need to call my grandma. You know, and uh, I don't know. I just, that just popped into my head. It's less self-care-y, but I think doing either of those things would just alleviate some Total. anxiety for sure. Yeah, I love that. What a what a positive note, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully not toxic, but <laughs> positive to end, um, to end this, this first half of our ep on. Everybody, please take care of yourself. Let us know in the secret Facebook group or via email. 51firstdatespod at gmail.com um, how you're taking care of yourself um, and maybe we'll share a couple from our listener community um, in in weeks to come um, but in the meantime we're going to take a really quick ad break and then we'll be back with our interview with Shelby Hi, everybody. We're back with our lovely guest, Shelby Haddon. Shelby's a filmmaker. She's a TEDx speaker. She has made work about pelvic floor dysfunction and given talks about virginity and some of the language and concepts around virginity. We're going to talk about all of that stuff today. Shelby, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yes, very excited. We were just talking about how it's like a November evening. Um, Shelby just had a birthday, as did I. Scorpio sisters unite. Uh, but Shelby, thank you so much for being here. I think this is going to be a really interesting kind of set of topics. And we're really grateful that you were willing to come on and share with us. Because, yes, I think this is this is some important stuff. Um, but without further ado... <laughs> We love to do our icebreaker, our, our our asking of the worst first date. I'm kind of framing it up weirdly because I know, know you you know of this podcast previously. Um, do you have a worst first date story that comes to mind? So you've actually read one of mine from an email that oh, I submitted that's over a year true. ago or almost two years ago now. Um, so I could either tell that story or 
and like give you the update from it or tell a different one. Ooh, I like that story with an update only because yes. I think it'll be fun for regular listeners. Okay. So this was probably five or six years ago. It's been a while. There was this guy who went to grad school with me and we worked on projects together and he was always just really flirty with me and he asked if he could take me to dinner and I just use air quotes because um, <laughs> like you guys can't hear that um, because he didn't have a car so I had to pick him up and he wanted to surprise me where we were going so I went to his place picked him up and then he navigated to an Italian restaurant that was literally across the street from my place and it had terrible parking so I was like well let's just park at my place and walk over and so we have dinner he paid for everything it was like a great time we had a lot of fun and then in our conversation he had mentioned that his favorite show was Friday Night Lights and I had never seen it and so he wanted to watch the first episode with me so my car was at my place so we went into my place to watch it and we're sitting on my couch and he knew every word of that first episode and he was just like giving the dialogue as it was happening so I'm like wow okay so you've seen this a hundred times and then at the end when the bad thing happens he starts sobbing not just misty-eyed like outright sobbing <laughs> and I just had no idea how to react and I was just like looking at him and like I don't I don't know and then I had to drive him back to his place. Oh no! <laughs> it just—I'm—I'm I'm reacting as over the top as I did the first time we read this, which is just like how, how, yeah. So we never went on another date like that again, but we remained really good friends. We got actually much closer after that, and then he moved. Um, he moved away, and. Like, months after he moved, we were FaceTiming, and I said something about that really awkward date that we went on, and he, his eyes got real wide, and he was like, what awkward date? And he, I don't know if he was just, like, embarrassed by what happened, or he really didn't think it was a date, but he was like, oh we did not God. go on a date. That was not a date. I'm like, you... You wanted to take me to a nice restaurant. You paid for everything. You came back. We watched a show together. And that never happened again. <laughs> like, that was different oh from God. every other time we hung out. Like, that was absolutely a date. And he was like, no, Shelby, I would have never thought I could go on a date with you. You're way out of my league. And I was just like, what? Oh, oh my, oh my word. God. <laughs> the fact that he wanted to surprise you with the restaurant, too. That's right. a big detail of like, you don't do that if it's not, if you're not trying to make it something special. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. That was 100% a date when you ask someone out to dinner in that way, pay for that is 100% a date. I think he was deeply embarrassed <laughs> that he did his like emotional therapy, whatever he does with Friday Night Lights with you. Um, and just for anyone who hasn't seen the first episode of Friday, Light, Friday Night Lights, I will not spoil it. But the bad thing that happens is it's a sad, it's like a tragic 
accident happens. Excellent, yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, in the yeah. first episode. And uh, it, I've, I think I've seen that episode more than once in my life. I am not as big of a Friday Night Lights fan, <laughs> but I think I've seen it twice. And I'm just in shock that someone who's seen it that many times would be weeping like that, even though it's a sad thing. Like, I just well, don't understand. <laughs> I mean, it's wild because, okay, I and I'm sure I said this. I, I think I, I actually know I said this the first time we read this. But, like, I... I think about the pilots or, like, the movies I've seen a bunch of times. Like, I cannot fathom at even the saddest one, like, crying more than once. Like, maybe <laughs> twice if it's, like, truly, like, a horrible, horrible, like, a a Holocaust movie, something that's just so gut-wrenching. But, like, a pilot of, like, a CW show. It wasn't CW. Whatever it was. On. I'm not disrespecting Friday Night Lights. I know it's very, very good. I haven't seen it, but I'm like, I know it's high quality TV. But that's yeah. extreme. It was really uncomfortable. So You know what? I bet. I feel like he maybe was like a water tester, especially if he felt you were out of his league. You know, he wanted to kind of put it out in the universe and see. Oh, well, still, still um, funny. Yeah, and it's also like <laughs> if you know that you're gonna weep at the end of the movie, like or at the end of the episode, don't suggest watching it with someone, right, <laughs> on a date. Because uh, I, I was kind of laughing as you were telling the story, and kind of was even though it's the second time we're hearing it, because I I do love rewatching things or watching things with someone who hasn't seen something and being like, oh, do you like it? But I don't say all the lines out loud. And I definitely on a first date wouldn't like put something on that would then make me cry. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> it's just, that's a really good point. Just what was what was the end game here? Um, wow. And then to just deny that it was a date when it absolutely was. What a mm-hmm. unique experience. <laughs> We're still friends. Okay, yes. You no, know. Sh- I'm being so <laughs> yeah. shady. I'm sorry. It's just <laughs> no, a funny, okay. funny story. He's, I know. It's so no, weird. He's a why, great person. <laughs> that's why this is a fun story is because it, that's part of why it's fun is because, like, it's, you know, this isn't, like, nefarious. No. He's not, you know, it's like, it's just, this didn't quite work. <laughs> no, <laughs> these, things, these puzzle pieces didn't quite go together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Incredible. Um, well, thanks for sharing. Thanks for the update. Yeah, of course. Longtime listeners, now you've got the update. Um, <laughs> so, um, so we'll take a hard left turn. There's no smooth way to make this transition. No. So here, here we go. I was just like, I'm literally laughing. Then I'm gonna be like, so tell us. Um, but but to, for everyone who's listening who doesn't know what this is, can you just talk a little bit about about pelvic floor dis- dysfunction, what it is, what it means, and just like a little bit about your experience with it? Yeah, and I do want to say at the top of this conversation, I am not a medical professional, so I'm going to be speaking from a patient perspective. And if you're listening and you think you have something or something's wrong, like definitely consult somebody with a degree. But pelvic floor, your pelvic floor is basically between your legs and includes your urethra, penis, vagina, anus, and all the muscles around and in between. And there are a lot of conditions that fall under pelvic floor dysfunction, so erectile dysfunction, vaginismus, vulvodynia, interstitial cystitis, um, and there are other ones as well. Um, but basically, your maybe your bladder, bowel, sexual parts are not working the way you want it to. 
So for me, I had vaginismus, which is a condition where the muscles in and around the vagina involuntarily contract, making penetration extremely painful and difficult. And for me, it was pretty much impossible for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I, it's so, sorry, I'm just, I have so many thoughts and feelings already. Um, I think, you know, when did you, I'm kind of like, the more I learn about different parts of pelvic floor dysfunction and think back on my earlier experiences with sex, I'm like, maybe I, you know, I never talked to a doctor about it, but maybe I had something going on as well. When was the moment you realized, because I I just thought sex was painful, quite frankly, at the beginning Mm -hmm. of my experience with having sex. Um, When did you realize something, like when did you talk to someone about it or really notice it? Um, You know, and again, I don't want to equate our experiences because I I might not have had anywhere near the level of pain you did. But I'm just curious because I think so many women do have painful sex and don't necessarily know when to talk to someone about it. Yeah, and there's a lot of language around sex, especially for women, that sex is painful. Mm -hmm. And so then we're not, we don't know better to go seek out medical attention or get to the bottom of it, unfortunately. For me, I was 14 when I started my period. So when I tried using a tampon, it just felt like one, that there was no hole there. It was like just slamming into a wall not going in at all and it was probably the worst pain I had ever felt trying to like force it in and my mom is a registered nurse and so you know when I was going through all this I'm like it's just it just isn't going in for me and she would be on the other side of the door trying to coach me through it and I'd be reading the instructions on the box and trying different angles and putting tons of Vaseline on everything and it was just not happening. It would just result with tears and um, a lot of frustration. So I, for a while, I just decided to just wear pads. And, you know, that meant sometimes I couldn't go to a birthday party, like at a pool party or go to the beach or something like that. And when I was about 19, I think I started going to doctors and trying to figure out what it was. Because also, any kind of exam was traumatic. Oh, gosh. Horrible. Yeah. Horrible, horrible, horrible. So it was like going to the gynecologist was terrible. Trying to use tampons was terrible. And the idea of having any kind of sex was horrifying. So I went to about a dozen doctors who couldn't tell me what it was or how to fix it. Or they just gave me really bad advice and bad treatment plans and eventually I was referred to pelvic floor physical therapy when I was 21. And I mean we're going to talk a little bit about that too. I full disclosure well well I'll shout out your film because I think everyone should watch it and I'm going to link it below but Shelby made an incredible um, animated film called Tightly Wound which is so beautiful and many um, like has played at many festivals and is like just incredible it's like 11 minutes long how how long is it i'm telling people in yeah in it's like 10 like, minutes thank you yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so go watch it right now um yeah and it's gonna be linked below uh so i know like a little bit more uh background but just for anyone who hasn't seen the film what kind of impact did this have on your life mm-hmm. well like i mentioned if 
people wanted to plan a pool party or like go camping or something, I couldn't always go and I never knew when my peri period was coming. So it was like this very stressful thing whenever I was invited to something because what if I got in a position where I couldn't wear a pad? I also was a really big runner. So like I ran a lot of half marathons in college and like my first one, I got my period that day unexpectedly and I just free bled. So I'm like, I'm not going to wear a pad for 13 miles, um, yeah. but super uncomfortable. Um, so there are those things. And then also it really affected the way I felt about my body, my sexuality, how I felt about sex and dating. I just felt so ashamed and embarrassed and infantilized and that really seeped into just a lot of my life and how I felt about myself and my worthiness when it came to dating and love. So lots of the guys that I dated throughout my early 20s rejected me for it when I told them about it. So it was a really painful emotional experience as well. It's awful. And it's just so frustrating how, like you said, you went to dozens of doctors. You know, I've seems like there is just so little attention paid to something that is impacting a lot of women's lives. How common um, is this for, I guess, women and men? I guess how common, I'm trying to think of like, because pelvic floor dysfunction means so many things. I guess how common is what you experience, let's say, like among women? Yeah, I don't have that exact stat for vaginismus, no but the, what I do have, um, it's estimated that 24% of women will have some sort of pelvic floor dysfunction at some point in their lifetime, because a lot of these conditions do come with changes in hormones. So mm -hmm. if you get pregnant after pregnancy, your body's going to change and react and your muscles and your pelvic floor are going to change and menopause and any other sort of big hormonal shift will definitely um, or could definitely lead to some sort of dysfunction. And then also if you have some sort of um, emotional trauma that could trigger it. And I'm sure there are other causes, but at any point of your life, you could get something like this. Ugh, it's so wild to me. This is like a, a much lower stakes conversation I had with a gynecologist at some point, but I I had just wildly new um like PMS symptoms a couple of years ago, and I was like, um, what the fuck? Like nothing changed, same IUD, whatever. And my doctor was just like, well, your hormonal like structure changes throughout your whole life, so this shit's always gonna change. And I was like fuck you and like that's <laughs> low stakes but just that yeah. realization of like it, it's it's so frustrating it's so frustrating to me that there isn't more like knowledge around women's health and experts who know what to do like can you talk a little bit about how you like sought out your your medical care and if you have any like do you have any tips for people who are in the process of finding the right practitioners for them obviously not medically but like how to go about like knowing what you need, finding the right people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I just want to touch on what you just said because we don't talk about how our bodies change throughout our lifetimes. Like we talk about puberty and menopause and that's it. But like I personally had a big hormonal shift 
when I was 25 and I've read a lot of women do and like your bodies are just constantly changing but nobody tells us that and so when it happens we feel like we're the only ones but um, I have some resources on my website so there's a therapy locator women's health APTA and then the International Pelvic Pain Society also has a locator so both of those organizations you can look up your zip code they work differently but you can try to find people in your area and then my website tightlywoundfilm.com has a pelvic pain resources page and I list basically every pelvic floor PT or pelvic pain specialist or OBGYN that is knowledgeable about pelvic pain and pelvic floor dysfunction on my website. So it's not an exhaustive list, but it's just like people that I have been connected with. So those are a few places that you can look. And when you're talking to gynecologists, use words like pelvic floor dysfunction and if you can find you know, if you kind of self-diagnose, that helps a lot, I think, in the process. Maybe you might be wrong, but if you come in and you say, I think I might have vulvodynia or I may have vaginismus, that's going to help you a lot because a lot of OBGYNs are not educated in this stuff. So they won't know where to point you to, and then they'll give you some sort of treatment plan that is not going to help you. <laughs> Uh, because they just want to give you an answer and they want to sound smart and right. So my thing is, is that most women who have conditions like these have to go to multiple doctors to eventually find what they need for them. So you are going to get discouraged, but you know, you have to just keep being an advocate for yourself. And if a doctor tells you that your pain is not real, fire them and go somewhere else. Like, they don't have all the answers. They're just people too. And so we cannot look at doctors like this superior expert that has all of the info because they just don't. So keep going to as many doctors as you need to and ask them questions like, what do you know about this stuff? Um, have you had any of your patients go to public floor physical therapy or get Botox injections? Um, you know, like, ask those questions, and if they don't know what they're talking about, go somewhere else. On that note, I that I think that's great advice. I mean, with anything, too. It's so easy to forget that doctors aren't – like, they're humans as well, and there are a lot of areas when it comes to women's health that they're not necessarily paying attention to. Um, no, no shade to doctors. Doctors are amazing, but sure. mm -hmm. we've got work to do. <laughs> um, However, uh, when it comes to the treatment plan, can you talk a little bit more about the physical therapy or Botox or just like for someone maybe listening who I'm just, I'm thinking about like, I had two years in my life when I really struggled to, like couldn't have sex. So it does not sound as painful as what you went through, Shelby. But now looking back, I wish I had listened to you or, or heard a talk or seen your film. And uh, I think my big fear would then be though, is there a cure? How do I like work with my body. So what is the treatment plan like? What would you want to share with any listeners who might be curious about that? Yeah, well, all of this is on a spectrum and from mm -hmm. 
the people who have treated me, it does seem like my case is pretty extreme. So a lot of people work through treatment a lot faster than I did. So if you're hearing my story and you're thinking, oh, I can't dedicate like four years of my life to this, that's super depressing. It's like, that might not be the case for you. You might be in and out in a couple of months. But um, I never did Botox injections or suppositories, but I did a lot of pelvic floor physical therapy. And basically you go into the office and you have to talk a lot about your bladder, bowel, sexual function. And then if you're comfortable, you know, you get uh, undressed from the waist down, they come back in and they start doing external work on your thighs, your abdomen. So like, again, not a medical professional. It's like basically they're just like kind of massaging and like working the muscles getting them warmed up, and then they start going around your pelvic floor, so they'll be pulling and touching on your vulva, and then they'll insert a finger or two to do the internal work. So that's a really scary idea for people who have something like I did. Um, But I've gone to a lot of physical therapists, and they all really take their time. They go at your own pace. Everything's super consensual, so you can even do a few sessions where there's just external work when you're getting started and getting comfortable with someone. Um, but yeah, that's that's what it's like to be in the room with them. And then a lot of my homework was dilation. So dilators, there are a lot of different companies, um, but they're basically like these phallic-shaped plastic medical devices and they come in varying sizes and you start at whatever size is comfortable for you and so on your own time you practice inserting those and like kind of graduate to the larger sizes as you go mm-hmm. yeah oh. super interesting to hear I mean I'm it's horrible that you had to go through that and that you had to go through that for such a long time but I echoing Kimmy I think it must be I'm hoping that some listeners who have dealt with some version of this will find it to be a relief that there are options. I I know that I've had other friends experience this and just be like, I guess I just won't have sex. Eh, it's fine because they didn't want to talk about it. They didn't grow right. up in households where, you know, it was open to talk about your body or you were able to to express um, this type of discomfort or, you know, there's lots of, again, lots of passivity not that's the wrong word. There's lots of women I think have negative experience around women's health and then kind of decide to to just not pursue it in the future because it's it's people have a lot of really bad experiences. So it's it's good to hear that options are out there and um and that you know there's there's treatment possible mm-hmm. even in, in severe cases. Um so this kind of segues sort of naturally into uh the conversation about about virginity um you we got in touch because you did a ted talk and i like creepily facebook messaged you um about (laughs) about virginity can you um can you like summarize a little bit kind of uh what your tedx talk was about and um some of some of your thoughts on that topic yeah so my talk was called why we all lose when we talk about virginity and it argued for a more sex positive framework to describe early sexual experiences because virginity by definition is really narrow and exclusive. We're basically defining sex as heterosexual penis in vagina 
penetration. And that is the ultimate goal. Like when we talk about, when we describe sex as faces, that's going all the way, yep. <laughs> right? Like yep. you're supposed to go through these steps to ultimately do this one thing, which is really just one option on the menu of sex. Mm -hmm. And so it's exclusive because it basically um, doesn't include any sex between um, any same-sex partners, trans people, people with disabilities. So it discounts any of their sex. And then there are a lot of negative connotations for women, especially. There are a lot of myths about it, like the breaking of the hymen, which is medically inaccurate. There's a long history of ownership with virginity. And also the fact that it's this identity, like we don't, we use that word to describe people's first times, like of other things, but like really um, not having sex is this identity which we don't like really ascribe to ourselves in other parts of our lives. Like, you know, not being able to ride a bike is not going to make you really feel a certain way or have this specific identity like virginity does. And also, like, you don't change as a person once you have a penis inside you. <laughs> like, it just no. is not that life altering. No. Yeah. Oh, it's, and I'm just sitting here, <clears throat> sorry to jump in, but getting frustrated and thinking about how even just being a virgin as an identity I ascribe so much more to women than men mm -hmm. like but any if we're going to use this word which I agree we shouldn't it's incredibly um it's not inclusive at all it's very exclusive but it also it's then we, we, we it's just the way we apply it to women and how much I thought about I literally shout out to my friend Sarah Winter who's been on this podcast. We had V we like were we had <laughs> made little like as a joke of V cards that we were like, oh, I'm gonna send you mine when I lose my virginity. <laughs> I didn't lose my virginity until college. <laughs> I literally <laughs> sent her like I feel like I don't know. It was it, it, I sound insane now. But was it was like a really funny cute, cute thing. <laughs> Yeah, it was really cute and it was like, but it's still all weird. Like it was not like a race to lose your virginity, but I was so insecure about going into college even being a virgin and that's just, and I'm a straight woman and like technically that I was a virgin. I don't know. It's just, it's also frustrating to me. I don't really have a well, concise point, but. <laughs> well, it's also so loaded for women too. Like I feel like there were like, it was only appropriate to lose your virginity at like 16 17 right. or 18 like if you lost your virginity at 15 you were a slut and if you lost your virginity at 19 you were a fucking loser i was a, <laughs> an older virgin so i'm saying that with like that was me but it, it's so i just remember being like oh my god all of a sudden there is so much stigma it went from like there's stigma because we're too young they were like the girls who had sex first and mm -hmm. then it was like the the kind of window where it was appropriate in late high school and then if you got to college and you were a virgin I felt weird about it and that alone is so twisted and insane but also yeah I've always felt uncomfortable with the idea that like a man's dick can change who you are sorry <laughs> right. to be crass but like it's just very um 
it feels very antiquated and yeah also really limiting yeah and women i think it's more loaded for women like you were saying because we have the virgin whore dichotomy and women can't just be sexual people they are like sexual in relation to the men they have sex with and the societal norms and no matter how much sex you've had you've probably been called a prude and a whore like Mm -hmm. if you're a woman um that is correct yes yeah (laughs) um Wow, that just that just blew my mind. I know yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. So you really can't win in either of those situations. And then I think we're also at. I think we're coming out of this framework, but especially when all of us were like in college and hadn't made our sexual debuts yet, it's like it was all these antiquated notions of like when you're supposed to start having sex. But then also the sexual norms were changing and that you were supposed to be more liberated. You were supposed to be sexual, but we didn't have great sex education. We were never taught how to talk about consent or boundaries or what we wanted or needed from a sexual experience. So we really just weren't given the tools to like navigate those waters. No, and I, I really hope for, I mean, I, feel, I, I, Shelby, you probably know better, but I feel like at least for the next generation, things are changing or I hope that they're changing and that the education, you know, Gen Z is receiving is it has evolved. Do you think it's evolving? I don't know or- if the sex education is evolved. And I also live in Texas where it's absent only, so – I can't speak to that, but I do teach at the college level, and my students do talk about sex, at least in the classroom, from my perspective, it seems like they have broader definitions of sex, and they don't really Mm -hmm. subscribe so much as what it felt like when I was in college. Yeah. Yeah. There are some really, really cool... um, sexual health and education youtubers who are, who like gen z kids like like they don't feel like it's like um that fucking steve buscemi meme the like hey fellow kids thing um <laughs> you know it, like it, it does like it um it, it was something i yeah i i worked on a a snapchat show called teen code shout out but one of the youtubers on it was a sexual health youtuber who was like a queer teenager um and i'm not going to be able to remember their name uh but just even having access to stuff like that is i'm like god i wish i had that in middle Mm -hmm. school and high school just like somebody online i mean the thing the downside of that is there's i'm sure a lot of misinformation online but we were getting it anyway Mm -hmm. from our friends (laughs) um what would you how would you if you were to have a daughter how would you want to talk to her or a son or Mm -hmm. or a non-binary child how would you want to talk to them about virginity and um, explain? How would you want to frame it for them? That yeah. puts a lot of pressure on you to be like, so think about your future brethren. <laughs> and how you're I wouldn't, I don't have an answer for this question. I do not. <laughs> well, I think I would be really open about my experience of my first time because I was 25 when it finally happened. And it was after a lot of years of hard work and... This was a person who I have never seen since. Like, we're friends and we keep in touch. And I think he's a great, great person. 
but it's not like, oh, well, I got married or I fell in love and it was with my person. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. And so I think I would encourage them to not uh, use virginity as a framework. And I like the word sexual debut. I and like that's that sex. Yeah. yeah, like it makes it sound fancy too. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's just you've arrived. It <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, way more fun, and and it's just you know wait for as long as you want. I think for me it was such a great experience because it was with a partner who had a broad definition of sex. We talked about sex before we had it which I think is really important that you should do with any partner anyway. And um, it's probably not going to be great sex with someone who only wants to have penis and vagina sex. Like, that doesn't sound super fun. Mm -hmm. So looking for someone who maybe has a broader definition of sex, who is a good listener, who is willing to try things, and that ultimately both people are going into this with a mindset that this is going to be fun and we're going to try things together and there shouldn't be an end goal. There shouldn't be pressure. It should just be a good time for everyone all around. It's such a, it's so simple, but even just thinking about sex as being a good time for everyone because it's women and I'm speaking very heteronormatively, but you know, my understanding of what sex was from, even conversations with my mom, but like movies and TV was that it was going to be a lot better than it actually was when I finally had it. And I think that's because I was defining sex in a very limited manner, P and V. Um, (laughs) My God, I hate myself. I am a child. Like I can't even use the words. Um, But yeah, it's just, I think focusing on everyone having a good time and whatever that looks like is just so important to remember, even as an adult in a relationship, like where I feel very, you know, I feel incredibly open. My partner and I, we talk a lot about what works, what doesn't work. Like even, even then in like a really healthy sexual relationship, I think, not shout out, <laughs> Like, <laughs> so, so embarrassed. I'm embarrassing everyone today. Um, but my healthiest sexual relationship. <laughs> I still sometimes forget, like, I don't know. I just to to always remember to take care of yourself. Take care of your partner, too. But, like, mm-hmm. it's just a really good reminder. Yeah. 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 God, it's wild how much it wasn't ever a thing in anybody's sexual educations. I mean, it, that it should be fun. You know, and that's it still makes me sad. I mean, unless, you know, obviously everyone had like somebody in their school who had like hippie, crunchy parents, you know, like and that's cool. If you were raised in one of those households, my parents are not unhippie. And I like I don't think I grew up in a super repressed household, but it was not like a big part of the conversation. And I get it. It's weird. If my mom had said that, I probably would have fucking run into the woods and never come back. And I get, you know, I get it. But even, yeah, in sex ed and whatever, it's just, it it makes me sad. So talk to the the youths in your life. Oh my God, if I try to talk to my 16-year-old niece about sex, she would absolutely run into the woods. <laughs> she <laughs> run into the woods. Uh, but, you know, maybe I should. I know, oh a lot God, of my gonna... friends have said that when they have kids, they'll be sending them to me to have those conversations. Yeah, that's amazing. Totally. I will be calling you up if yeah. I have children one day. I'll be like, Shelby, remember me? <laughs> Yeah, happy to do it. (laughs) Incredible. 
Well, I'm going to link a ton of your stuff below, but please tell everyone where they can find find you. Yeah. Well, I have my personal website, shelbyhadden.com. I have Tightly Wound's website, tightlywoundfilm.com. And then you can find the film and myself on Instagram. My handle is sghadden and then Tightly Wound Film. Yeah, and we will Guys, link all of that. Please watch this film. Yes. I'm going to link all of that. It's so, so good. I, I just can't recommend it highly enough. It's so beautiful to watch visually. It's so powerful. I'm going to just brag on it for it a is second. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so you. everyone I must watch on- it. We're peer pressuring you now. I don't know. Just do it right now. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I creeped on. I was like creeping on Shelby on the internet, and then I Facebook messaged her. It's a very, uh, it was a very non-chill thing. But I feel like fully, uh, it's full circle now that I'm just bragging about you, um, <laughs> bragging about you, whatever I'm doing. Shelby, thank you so much. Couldn't yeah, have ended that you. more awkwardly. Thank you so much. <laughs> We're Shelby. so thrilled to have oh, you on. Thank you. I'm such a big fan of the podcast, so this was really fun. Thank Aww, you. We're so glad you're here. Have you ever used Cheapo Air? For years, and I really like it. With Cheapo Air, you can book online, use their app, or even over the phone. They've got great prices on over 500 airlines and millions of accommodations. They're my go-to for travel planning. And if you join their Club Miles program, you can earn points to save on the cost of your travel. Book on the app, and you get double points. Sounds like it's time I tried Cheapo Air. Call Cheapo Air at 855-247-3279 or visit CheapoAir.com slash podcast.